0: It's 6 p.m. and you are tuned to your community radio station, KVMR FM Nevada City, KCPC Camino. Today is Indigenous Peoples Day, Monday, October 11th, 2021. I'm Kelly Reese and it's time for the KVMR Evening News. California residents awoke this Monday to an array of new laws signed yesterday by Governor Gavin Newsom before Sunday night's legislative deadline. Up ahead, the California report offers an overview. Then we turn our attention to national native news. Festivities take place across the country in celebration of Indigenous Peoples' Day. And President Biden restores protection to Bears Ears National Monument in Utah. Then, have you ever wondered about the history of fire? We'll take a look at regional headlines and weather before science correspondent Al Stoller lets us in on its origin story.
1: this is the California report I'm Saul Gonzalez in Los Angeles Governor Gavin Newsom's hand might be a little sore from all of the bills he signed into law over the weekend so he can meet a required Sunday night legislative deadline here are just some of California's new laws which certainly cover an eclectic range of issues cities and towns will now have greater authority to lower speed limits as a way to reduce pedestrian fatalities large retail stores must have a gender-neutral area for selling childrens toys, and items. The non-consensual removal of a condom during intercourse, a practice called stealthing, will be criminalized. A ban will be implemented on the sale of gas-powered leaf blowers and lawnmowers as a way to reduce pollution. California health providers must reduce wait times for people seeking help for mental health and substance abuse problems. And police in the state are barred from interfering with the work of journalists who are out covering demonstrations, protests, and rallies. Most of California new laws will take effect on January 1st. But wait, there's more. On Friday, Governor Newsom signed a bill requiring California high school students to take an ethnic studies class in order to graduate. The courses must be offered by the 2025 to 26 school year. Supporters are celebrating the victory after previous attempts to pass the laws were unsuccessful. KQED's Katie Orr has more.
0: This was
2: Democratic Assemblyman Jose Medina's third try at passing the Ethnic Studies course requirement. Previous versions were vetoed by Governors Gavin Newsom and Jerry Brown. Students graduating in the 2029 2030 school year will be the first class required to take the course, though some districts already offer it. In testimony this summer, Medina said this is something kids want to learn.
3: Let us listen to the voices of the 20,000 high school students who've signed the petition calling for ethnic studies because they want to see themselves reflected in the curriculum.
2: Under the new law, districts do not have to teach the curriculum approved by the state. They can choose what lessons they want to teach within certain parameters. For the California Report, I'm Katie Orr in Sacramento.
1: And some new state laws are important to specific communities. For instance, a new law will make it easier for California's Native American tribes to own and operate their own ambulances. CAP Radio's Nicole Nixon reports.
4: The bill will afford tribes the same ambulance certification exemptions given to city and county fire departments. Previously, tribes had to jump through hoops. Michael Smith is fire chief for the San Manuel Band of Mission Indians in the Inland Empire.
1: We bought an ambulance and it sat while we navigated this bureaucracy one whole year collecting dust
3: in the back parking lot.
4: In the meantime, the tribe relied on a private ambulance company. It wasn't always easy during the pandemic.
2: There were real life chest pains and heart attacks and difficulty breathings within a one-year period where we didn't meet the nine minutes at 59 seconds.
4: That's the gold standard for an ambulance wait time, under 10 minutes. Now, Smith says it will be easier for other tribes to get life-saving care to residents and visitors, especially in rural areas.
1: That was Cap Radio's Nicole Nixon.
5: Support for the California Report comes from Hint. Fruit infused water in over 25 flavors like watermelon, pineapple, and blackberry. No sweeteners, no calories. In stores or delivered from DrinkHint.com. The James Irvine Foundation, committed to a California where all low income workers have the power to advance economically. Learn more at Irvine.org. And Eric and Wendy Schmidt, whose philanthropy harnesses the power of people and science to create innovative solutions for a healthy environment, just societies and opportunities for human achievement.
1: Here in Southern California, the investigation into the oil spill off the coast of Huntington Beach has expanded, as the Coast Guard says the pipeline in question was likely damaged months ago. The Coast Guard's lead investigator says marine growth that's seen around the damaged portion of the pipeline indicates that it may have been initially damaged as early as last year. Amplify Energy, which operates the pipeline, did a routine safety check last October and found no significant damage but could more be done to ensure that these types of oil spills don't occur in the future. Richard Charter is a fellow with the nonprofit Ocean Foundation and a pipeline researcher. Speaking to the California Report's Keith Mizuguchi, Charter says a lot of the issues are on the federal level, where regulations have been relaxed over the last few years.
6: You have two cabinet-level uh, agencies involved. One is the Department of Interior, Bessie we call it. Uh, it, is supposed to prevent You know, manage to inspect and ensure due care is taken with these kinds of industrial facilities, prevent spills like this. And then you have, under the Department of Transportation, the pipeline safety folks, and they are more enforcement. If you break it, they make sure you fix it or pay for it. And both have been subject, particularly during the Trump administration, both were subject to pressure to roll back their oversight. In the wake of the Deepwater Horizon spill in the Gulf of Mexico, there was a uh, federal panel that released a set of recommendations on tightening oversight of both offshore drilling rigs and all of the associated pipeline infrastructure. And those recommendations were being implemented by the Obama administration. And they were actually more inspectors, more frequent inspections, more surprise inspections, not showing up and letting the platform operator know you were coming. And as soon as Trump came into office without any further studies or any science, he started issuing executive decisions to roll those back.
1: And Charter says another big problem is larger companies have been selling these offshore drilling operations to smaller ones. And the smaller companies just don't have the necessary resources to maintain both the platforms and pipelines.
6: The problem is that when the smaller companies take over, in this case, a pipeline that was constructed and permitted in 1978, it's getting old. Ferrous metal steel in uh, the marine environment, saltwater corrodes. California crude is extremely corrosive in of itself. So this pipeline is corroding from the inside and the outside. And the company that's operating it kind of as a cash cow, you might say, because they bought it operating, they don't necessarily invest in state-of-the-art safety or they probably don't even have the resource to replace the pipeline.
1: Charter says that while the federal government is in charge of regulating operations that occur in federal waters off the coast of California, agencies in Sacramento could also refuse to permit certain infrastructure projects related to drilling. And that is the California Report for today, Monday, October 11th. We're a production of KQED Public Radio. I'm Saul Gonzalez. Thanks so much for listening and have a great day.
0: Today in National Native News, tribes, native organizations, and environmental groups are praising the Biden administration for restoring protection to Bears Ears National Monument in southeastern Utah after it was removed in 2017 under the Trump administration. And a look at Indigenous Peoples Day celebrations across the country.
4: This is National Native News. I'm Antonia Gonzalez. On Friday, President Biden signed a proclamation restoring protections for Bears Ears National Monument in Utah. Interior Secretary Deb Holland joined the president, tribal leaders, and other administration officials at the White House.
2: Our songs, our languages, and our cultures are strong, and many people from many Indian tribes have sung and spoken in unison to protect this sacred place. Bears Ears is a living landscape. When I've been there, I've felt the warmth and joy of ancestors who've cared for this special place since time immemorial. It's a place where you can stand in the doorway of a home where a family who lived thousands of years ago left behind a legacy of love and conservation for a place that sustained them for countless generations. Stories of existence, celebration, survival, and reverence are etched into the sandstone canyon walls. Sacred sites are dotted across the desert mesas. Cultural heritage in the form of ancient pots, arrowheads, clothing, seeds, and evidence of lives well-lived are as inseparable from bears' ears as the air we breathe at this moment.
4: Protections for Bears Ears were established in 2016 and then removed by the Trump administration in 2017. Tribes, Native organizations and environmental groups are praising the administration for restoring protections. President Biden on Friday also issued a proclamation to celebrate Indigenous Peoples Day. Events are taking place across the country to mark Indigenous People's Day. Many celebrations were held over the weekend leading up to Monday, including in Kansas, by an Indigenous group showcasing Native art. Rhonda Lovaldo has more.
2: Lawrence, Kansas Indigenous Community Center, ICC, hosted an Indigenous Day art show along with other informative events at Sacred Ground Campus Ministry, which is off of Haskell Indian Nations University. ICC Chair Robert Hicks says they wanted to support the art community.
1: When we wanted to do this event, we wanted to be able to make a, a space where artists can come together
2: comfortably, you know, within COVID times and be able to display their work and advocate for their work and you know, create that community of, of people coming together and, you know,
1: for the love of art, you know. And to also talk about, like we have Masakawale uh, Farms here and he's an indigenous farmer here in Lawrence. And
2: so we want to promote the other indigenous, you know, stuff that's going on. Although the event was about art, Oglala Lakota artist Tokia Wachi Yu Richardson said it was important to talk about the impact of Indigenous Peoples Day.
6: After all the years of hearing about Columbus and everything and then, you know, for everybody to kind of come together and recognize, like, the, what kind of person he was and just kind of, like, um, come together in that nature and educate themselves, you know, I think it's important to recognize, you know, the beings that, that did have a backbone or, or a play in uh, the, the society that lives on today.
2: The event also featured Kansas Representative Christina Haswood, Navajo and Haskell alum, presenting on Indigenous politics. Haskell Student Government Association plans on holding an event for students on Monday and throughout the week. This is Rhonda Lovaldo
4: for National Native News. And I'm Antonia Gonzalez.
1: National Native News is produced by Kiwanak Broadcast Corporation with funding by the Corporation for Public Broadcasting. This reminder to get your COVID-19 vaccination is provided by the Association of American Indian Physicians and the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention who support this show. Info at aaip.org or cdc.gov coronavirus. Unity, Environment is Sacred is a series of on-demand films portraying a Native revolution to environmentally align with nature in celebration of International Earth Day. Available through April 30th at
3: visionmakermedia.org who support this show.
1: Native Voice 1, the Native American Radio Network.
0: In regional news... Shortly before 2 this afternoon, a vegetation fire near Highway 49 and Drunken Miners Road on the San Juan Ridge was reported. Initial units on the scene reported a moderate to rapid rate of spread. By 2:11, a Code Red warning was issued. The Nevada County Sheriff's Office issued evacuation warnings for Zones E-327 and E-389, and Highway 49 was closed so engines could access the fire safely. Ground resources and air tankers worked in conjunction, and by 2.41 the fire was declared contained and evacuation warnings had been lifted. The Miners' Fire is estimated at 2 acres with zero structures destroyed. A power outage affecting 240 PGE customers from Dark Horse to the Placer County line was reported just before 3 p.m. this afternoon. Ubinet says PG&E crews have been dispatched and estimate the time of restoration around 6.15 p.m. And continuing with power outages, PG&E has implemented a public safety power shutoff affecting approximately 25,000 customers in targeted portions of 23 counties throughout today. Although Nevada County is not amongst the 23 listed counties, parts of nearby Yolo, Tehama, Butte, and Plumas counties are affected. The shutoffs aim to prevent possible wildfires caused by currently windy weather. PG&E says depending on gusty conditions, they hope to restore power fully by Tuesday afternoon. Yuba Water Agency has received a Distinguished Contribution Award from the California Association of Science Educators for its Yuba River Watershed Curriculum Project. The project is the cornerstone of the agency's broader watershed education program, which aims to promote stewardship and awareness of the region's water and natural resources. The agency's Curriculum Development Project began in 2020 with an inaugural cohort of 45 teachers who received training on the Yuba River watershed and how to create lessons that meet California Next Generation science standards. The curriculum is designed to pair with a planned, state-of-the-art watershed experience center where students can participate in hands-on experiential learning. The center is currently in the planning process. This reported by Ubinet. Tomorrow, the east and westbound Donner Summit rest areas will be closed from 6.30 a.m. to 6.00 p.m. due to utility work. PG&E will cut power to the rest areas for electrical work requiring temporary daytime closures. Farther west, alternating gold-run rest areas will be closed for paving work on I-80. Maintenance crews are repaving the right lane of east and westbound I-80, temporarily restricting off-ramp access to both rest areas. This from Caltrans. And now for regional weather and your air quality index. A red flag warning for much of our listening area is currently in effect through Tuesday for gusty wind and low humidity. For those in Grass Valley and Nevada City, Tonight, mostly clear with a low around 35. We could see gusts up to 24 miles per hour. Tomorrow, sunny with a high near 62, and those gusts will continue. Current air quality is good with an AQI of 12. Tomorrow's air quality is good with a potential AQI of 24. In Truckee and Lake Tahoe, tonight, partly cloudy with a low around 15, with winds up to 15 miles per hour. Tomorrow, sunny with a high near 43. Current air quality is good with an AQI of 1. Tomorrow's air quality is good as well with a potential AQI of 13. A lake wind advisory remains in effect for Lake Tahoe until 8 p.m. tomorrow. Expect gusts up to 35 miles per hour and three-foot waves. All you little guys, small boats, kayaks, paddleboards should remain off-lake waters as you may capsize. Winds will also bring road travel impacts for larger vehicles. The National Weather Service also warns of snow showers and very cold temperatures this evening into Tuesday. Up to two inches of snow are possible in heavier showers, impacting travel on Highway 50 out of South Lake Tahoe and I-80 near Fernley. And in Sacramento and Woodland, beware of dust storms this evening. The National Weather Service says winds could whip up dirt and debris. You'll see a low around 48 tonight and possible gusts as high as 44 miles per hour. Tomorrow, mostly sunny with a high near 72, and those winds will continue with speeds up to 28 miles per hour. Current air quality is good, with an AQI of 2. Tomorrow, good, with a potential AQI of 31. The National Weather Service is not playing around when it comes to dust storms. They have issued a wind advisory in effect until 11pm this evening. Winds are expected to be strong enough to cause power outages and damage trees. Please take care when driving, particularly in larger vehicles and especially along I-80 west of Sacramento into Solano County. On Indigenous People's Day, science correspondent Al Stoller looks at fire, past and present, in the foothills.
5: Planet Earth is ancient, a good four and a half billion years old. But fire has existed for only a small fraction of that time. Most of Earth's history was free of fire, flame-free. To have fire, you must have fuel, atoms of carbon, atoms of hydrogen, glued together, ready to combine with oxygen. But carbon and hydrogen don't usually glue themselves together on their own. Most often, carbon and hydrogen must be glued together by things alive. You've got to have life to make fuel. So fire requires life. Life evolved on Earth pretty fast. Amazingly fast, actually. Life's been living on Earth for close to 4 billion years, gluing carbon and hydrogen atoms together, making fuel. And yet, for most of those 4 billion years, there was no fire. You and I can live for a month, maybe two months, without food, but we can live only two or three days without water. We've inherited our need for water from our ancestors of four billion years ago. Until very recently, life could live only if it were wet, constantly wet, inside and out, which meant that life could only live in an ocean or a lake or a stream. Land, dry land, was no place for life, and without life, there was no fuel on land, no fire. Hundreds of millions of years ago, pretty recently as far as the age of the earth is concerned, plants slowly colonized the land. Now the fuel they made could dry out and build up. Stephen Pine is professor emeritus at Arizona State University and a historian of fire. Pine writes how nearly every part of the earth has experienced fire in three different ways, one after the other. With no humans around, fuel builds up. Lightning strikes, the fuel ignites, and fire burns. That is, first fire. The fire burns out. Fuel again builds up. Again lightning strikes. And first fire burns again. First fire burns over and over, so long as people are nowhere around. Humanity evolved in Africa, and then moved out to colonize the world. And with them, humans brought a new type of fire. I'm going to skip this new fire for just a moment and jump right from first fire to third fire. Third fire is what we enjoy now, fire under control, fire inside our machines, keeping our homes warm, our food cooked, our engines running. Third fire is fire under control. We are the masters. We turn fire on and off. We tell fire what to burn, when to burn, where to burn. Except something is not quite right. Today we celebrate the discovery of the new world. North America, South America. When did that happen? Archaeologists debate the date. It was at least 20,000 years ago. The climate was different 20,000 years ago. It was the height of the last ice age. With water locked up in ice, sea level dropped, opening up land bridges between Asia and the Americas. People walked from the old world to the new. With most of the ice now gone, sea level has gone up again. The route that first brought people to the Americas is likely underwater, up in Alaska, beneath the Bering Sea. Birds build nests. Bees build hives. Bears make dens. But we humans do things big time. We change our whole environment to make it easier to live, easier to make shelter, easier to find food. The most effective tool for making such changes, for the first Americans, for the first humans anywhere, the most effective tool, the most powerful tool, was fire. Fire that people could use, could experiment with, could learn to live with. This is Second Fire. Over thousands of years, thousands of years of learning how to use it, Second Fire allowed Native Americans to mold the landscape into something very livable. Today we use Third Fire in our machines. A large part of why things are going wrong is that we have forgot how to use Second Fire. The Native Americans who molded the landscape in this part of the foothills the people who used second fire for the past few thousand years to maintain what we count on as normal. These people are still here. They call themselves Nissinon. For KVMR, I'm Al Stoller.
0: That's our newscast for this Monday, October 11th. KVMR gets support from... Mama Madrones Eco Emporium, online and on Broad Street, Nevada City, offering fair-trade, sustainably-made clothing for men, women, and children, plus local artisan gifts, jewelry, housewares, and accessories. Store information and shopping at mamamadrones.com, and Milkman Toner Company, providing local, hometown service for network printers, copiers, and scanners. Carrying environmentally safe, remanufactured toner cartridges with printer support. Serving Northern California counties, also San Francisco to Lake Tahoe. MilkmanCompany.com Stick around. At 6.30, it's the Women's International News Gathering Service, WINGS. Most frontline workers in hospitals are women, while most technology designers are men. The women's experience and knowledge is often undervalued and not communicated to those who design tools they must use. Professor Ellen Valka undertook an international research project to figure out how to correct this massive disservice. Then at 7, we have Democracy Now! with host Amy Goodman. The KVMR Evening News is produced by KVMR News Director, Claudio Mendoza. Thanks for listening. I'm Kelly Reese, signing off. Happy Indigenous Peoples Day.